morning. Yeah, glad you're here. Well, we're able, we'll be moving a few people over to the early service. It's 9.30 now. I wanted to mention that to you. And so don't forget, on those days you're swamped, you've got a lot to do on a Sunday, come to the 9 o'clock, 9, 9.30. I've got to stop calling the 9 o'clock service now that's not 9 o'clock service. But uh, come, come to that and uh, help us fill that up a little bit more too. But I'm glad that you're here. A lot, of, a lot of new faces and a lot of new faces kind of becoming old faces. And we're glad of that as well. Been a busy week. Uh, Connie Cushing had surgery. Bruce uh, Baker had surgery. We've been praying for him. And uh, Karen Chris, some new, some, a new family at our church. Her dad passed away this today. Uh, today's his first Sunday in heaven. A great uh, day. I know it's a little sad for us, but they're happy. He's in a better place. He's been suffering for a long time. Uh, had a new birth yesterday. Robin, uh, Robin's daughter Christina gave birth to uh, their child. And we've got several more that we're anticipating. Uh, somebody told me yesterday, they said, I didn't know we had any ladies at church going to have babies. I said, man, look around. Uh, We've got quite a few, so the church is going to be growing. A lot of, had the bass tournament yesterday. At seven, that's, uh, I think, over seven-and-a-half-pound bass. That's, that's the biggest one I've seen in a long time that wasn't hanging on somebody's wall they caught 10 years ago. But, uh, and uh, United uh, Prayer Rally last night, and uh, something else happened yesterday. I don't know. What, it's been a busy week, a lot of exciting things. But, you know, um, when when something is alive, things are happening around it, and so it gets busy, and uh, you just got to jump in on the things that you can be involved in, and just hang on, and if you're not involved, we invite you to get involved, there's a lot of stuff, and you need that, you need the connection, you need the fellowship, uh, if you didn't read the blog this week, I've updated the blog with some things, we're going to be moving the uh, follow-throughs over to that, if you've not started reading the blog, start reading that instead of the follow-throughs, we're going to be moving to that. So I want to get to the message this morning, and uh, just I may this may be a series. I know, well, this is a series. I just don't know if I'm going to come right back next Sunday because I've got something on my cal- my, my sermon calendar ready for next Sunday. But I've been feeling it's actually this past week, Wednesday morning, about two a.m. I realized no, this week we're going to be preaching this, and we're preaching on counterfeits. And it's going to be be a series of. of uh, but I don't know if we'll come right back next week or if it'll be if we'll have to come back to it later. Just got to pray about that this week. So help me pray about that. But preach about counterfeits, and I want to have a word of prayer, and we've got a lot of verses of Scripture, but let me, let me say this. The reason we've got so much Scripture this morning is because uh, when we talk about things, and the world is talking about a lot of things, and that's kind of really what we're dealing with here with these counterfeits, is what the world says. If I tell you what I'm thinking, you're going to go out the door, and you're going to hear somebody else say something different, and they're going to tell you something, and so you're going to wonder, well, who's right? Don't listen to me, don't listen to them, listen to this. That's why I'm going to give you the scripture this morning. I want you to see what God says about it, okay? And check me, I mean, check behind me. Uh, you know, if I say something, grab the word, make sure I'm right. And if I'm not, you know, come tell me about it. So, Pastor, you know, t- explain this to me. You know, you don't have to, you know, there's a tactful way to do it. Don't, you won't, don't feel embarrassed, come and let's talk about it. Because, listen, it's not my word that's important, it's God's word that's important. Let me ask you this question. Anybody got a $5 bill this morning? Or do a little sermon. Anybody got a five or five dollars? Anybody? I'll do a little sermon illustration. Would you swap it for a hundred dollars? Okay, here. Oh, right here. Would you swap that for? Oh, I, oh, she she changed her mind. Is anybody else? Would you swap it for a hundred dollars? Oh, she doesn't have one now. All of a sudden, as she sees the. <laughs> I mean, anybody? Would anybody swap their five for a hundred? Anybody? Any? Any? Anybody this morning? Anybody? Wait a minute, let me, let, me, <laughs> let me get this straight. You'd rather have a real $5 bill than a fake $100 bill? 
Any day somebody has, you'd rather have a real $5 bill than a fake one. Now that doesn't make sense. There's a lot more numbers on mine than there was on Diane's. She only had a five. I mean, I got, I got three digits on mine. I mean, that's big, you know. A hundred's a lot bigger than five, isn't it? I mean, this is monopoly money. Everybody in the world has monopoly money, right? I, I, I mean, you know, you'd rather have a real five than a fake 100. Is there anybody that would rather have the fake 100, even bigger than the five? I want you to remember that. That's the point of the message this morning. There's a lot of things out there that people will tell you are bigger, better, this is, you know, it looks better, it's easier, or whatever, and they'll tell you that, but remember that the real is better than the fake, no matter how big, no matter how pretty, no matter how beautiful, somebody makes it out to look, okay? Let's have a word of prayer. God, I love you, and I thank you, God, for the real. Lord, we don't want the fake, God. We leave the fake alone, God, and leave that. I thank you for the real. Thank you for your word, God, that shows us what the real is. And I pray, God, that you help us get our attitudes out of the way and let us just look to what the real is, God, what the truth is this morning. I pray your Holy Spirit just guide us through this message. I pray, God, you do what Trace said. God just, God, just challenge us today. I pray, God, you, you get in our business today and remind us, Lord, we want to know what the truth is, not what we're hearing outside, not what everyone is telling us. We want to know what the truth is. God, and I pray, God, I pray in our marriages and our homes and our families and our futures, God, God, with, in uh, our relationships and all those things, God, I pray your, your guidance, Lord, in our, in our God, in our times when we're all alone, when no one is watching, God, and those opportunities that we have to really be who we're supposed to be, God, I pray for your help in those times, your strength in those times. Challenge us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Okay, now I've been knowing that I'm going to preach this subject for a while, but I just didn't know when, and uh, so, you know, like I said, this Wednesday... Wednesday morning, real early in the morning, is uh, you know, you know, when you wake up in the middle of the night, a lot of times it's real easy to just roll back over and go to sleep, and it's like it's real easy for me to do that. You know, and I really try to stop for a moment, say, "Now, God, did you wake me up, or was it too much pizza after uh, eight o'clock? What was the deal?" And, you know, this was one of those nights that it wasn't too much pizza; it was God. And so, the subject this morning, I need to really get into this when we get all this said this morning. The subject for this morning is sex. Okay, sex. My head's popped up. All of a sudden, we're going to talk about sex, and and uh, and he, here's the reason why is because there is a truth, and then there's a whole lot of other stuff. You remember what I told you last week? How many right ways are there to do something? One right way, but there could be thousands of wrong ways to do something, right? Thousands of wrong ways, and uh, so th- th- that's what we really want to look at this morning. Is that there's a, there's a right way, and there's a whole lot of wrong ways. And, and here's the thing, is, is if we're not careful, I think we've done this in the past, the church has done this in the past, is we've tried, and I've preached a lot of messages on, on love and say, you know, sometimes we take sex as a counterfeit for love. You know, we take lust as a counterfeit for love, you know, and, and we do that. But I, I want you to hear this also, is that sex is not just a counterfeit, sex is real. Sex, sex is good. Sex is awesome. Sex is a beautiful thing that God created and put into our, put into our hands. It's, it's something that God gave us. It's awesome and it's wonderful. And when, when we as a church, when we try to set it aside and say that's just a counterfeit or that's, you know, that, don't, don't just go for sex. You need love. Yeah, love, love is, is the important thing. Yeah. But I, I want to show you that sex also is too because God has a plan for that. But when we, we, we slide aside the importance of sex, we don't talk about its beauty and its love, we lose credibility with the world that we're trying to reach because they know sex is good. 
Come on. Amen. Boy, you got quiet now, didn't you? But they know sex is good because they're enjoying it. But the problem is, is they're, they're misusing it. They're mishandling it. They're, they're twisting it. They're not keeping it in the context of what God intended it to be. And, and, and you know, and here's the problem is the lies that are being told out there. They're getting into our... I'm going to tell you this right now. It's, it's what concerns me. And this is when I knew. This was weeks, maybe months ago, that God started dealing with me. Is because I'm hearing some of you say the things that I'm hearing on CNN, that I'm hearing out in the world, that I'm hearing other people say, instead of hearing these things. Because some of this stuff will creep into our, into our language and into our ideologies if we're not careful. And so we've got to make sure we stay with this because you know, there's a counterfeit that's being sold to our teenagers. And, you know, some of you worry, y'all looking around maybe and thinking, oh, there's some young people here, he need to be talking about this. Yeah, I need to be talking about it because the world's talking about it to him. They're watching it on TV. I mean, they, they, they need to hear what the truth is about it. There's a counterfeit being sold to them. And there's a, a deadly disease that is creeping into our marriages, not just in the world, but in the church, the marriages in the church, that is destroying our marriages. And it is this, these counterfeits to the model of what God intended sex to really be. Now, let me say this. I've got to say this because I, I, some of you might get offended at me this morning, and, and I don't plan on being graphic, but hey, if God says be graphic, we'll be graphic, right? I don't plan on being graphic, but I'm free. some of you may get offended at me because you've got sex sins in your past. Well, hey. All of us have sins in our past. Some of them have sex sins. Some of us have uh, murder sins. Some of us have thieving, you know, or stealing and robbery sins. And we've all got sins in our past. I'm not talking about any sin in the past that is under the blood. If you've asked God to forgive you of it, we're not talking about that. What we're really talking... Now, listen, if you've got some sin in your past that you've not asked God to forgive you of, then yeah, hey, I'm sorry, I'm going to step on your toes maybe a little bit today. But if you've gotten all your sin in the blood, then all I'm talking about is where you are today and the decision you make today to be in the will of God and, and make sure the model is right. And so, that, and so also that you keep your mind focused on what... And when you're out there speaking in the world and somebody says something that doesn't line up with this, you don't accept it and you don't say an amen. You know, do you ever amen somebody who says something wrong out there in the world? I mean, you probably don't use the word amen. But you know, when somebody says something and you're thinking, I don't know if that's right or not, but you say, uh-huh. While you're thinking, I don't know if that's right or not, you say, uh-huh. We've got to quit doing that because what we're telling them is we're telling them, I'm a Christian and you're saying something that, it, that I know is wrong, but I'm, I'm amening you by, say, by shaking my head and saying, uh-huh, we've got to start standing up for what the truth is. And so whether you're, you know, if you're married, I've got to talk to you this morning. If you're unmarried, I've got to talk to you this morning. And if you say, look, this is of no interest to me whatsoever, I've, you know, I've, I've had all the husbands or wives I ever want, you know, whatever, it's just me and God for the rest of, you know, I, whatever. And you say, this, yes, it does interest you because this world is telling your children, your grandchildren, stuff that we need to be standing against and reminding them what the Word of God really says, okay? So, you know, some of you may, uh, uh, I'm going to say something probably about divorce, and you know, some of you, divorce and remarriage is something that is in our society, and it's in our church as well. We've got some people who have been divorced and remarried, and you say, some of you might say, well, he offended me by talking about, and you know, and I've got a previous marriage. Listen, again, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about where you are right now. You've got to just kind of drive up a stake and say, from this point forward, I'm going to do it God's way. And you can say, well, I don't have to. No, you don't have to do it God's way. If you want to get to heaven, you need to be doing it God's way. But if you want the dream, if you want the beauty of a relationship that, that you can have 
have in Christ, if you want all the goodness, if you want His promises, if you want all the promises of this Word, you're going to have to do it God's way. So you need to hear what He says. Go ahead and make up your mind and start doing it His way from this point forward, regardless of what the past is. So first, let's look at the model. And here, it is. and listen, I could take you back to the book of Genesis and tell you about the model. But there's a whole lot of people lying out there and giving us counterfeits of what sex is supposed to be. And they're saying, well, that was just Old Testament. Or that was just the writer. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take you to the New Testament, okay? And we're a New Testament church. Somebody say amen. New Testament's not over with. That's where we live. That's who we are. But I'm not just going to take you to a New Testament writer. I'm going to take you to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. His own words to show you that all the way from the beginning, now in the New Testament, and the word of the Son of God says this. Here's God's plan. And he answered and said to them, Jesus did, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. Have you not read this? So then when they are no longer two, so then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Here's his plan. Very simple. Thank God. It's simple. Nobody can twist this. I mean, what did you read there? I mean, you can't twist this. Here's the plan. One man plus one woman is one for life. That's God's plan. It's that simple. You know, not two men, not two women, not three or four, not one man and three or four women. You say, well, I know there were a lot of people in the Old Testament married to a lot of women. Yep, that wasn't God's plan, though. Do you see a place in the Word where God says, this is okay, I'm going to wink at this. I'm going to over- No, one man plus one woman is one for life. This is God's plan. But the problem is the counterfeits. How many ways are there to do something wrong? thousands of ways to do now and listen i'm not i know we're gonna talk about marriage but we're talking about sex okay I, and i won't be specific we're talking about sex right here because i want to kind of keep you focused on this for just a moment okay and there's one way to do something right and there are thousands of ways to do something wrong and it appears our culture today is trying out every one of those thousands of ways they can possibly think of to do things wrong I mean, and if you go back to, the, to uh, Jesus, his words, he talks about in the last days, in Matthew 24, I believe it is, he says the last days, which we believe we're living in, are going to be like the days of Noah. And you remember what, what he said? About, he said about the days of Noah, they were, mar- uh, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. So what was he saying? He's saying they were gorging out on food, they were all getting drunk, and they were having a lot of sex. That's what Jesus was saying. He said a little more tactful than I just did. But, you know, sometimes people don't get the message unless you just hit them in the face with it. I want you to hear this. They were gorging out on food. They were getting drunk and they were having a lot of sex and sex that was not in the will and the model of God. This is what was happening. But there's something else I want to draw your attention to from Genesis chapter 6. This was the thing that you could see that they were doing. They were doing these things. That's what we could see. But it was the the root of it. It was the the heart of it. And here it is, verse 5. This is how God portrays just the the heart of, of, uh, uh, of the culture of the day. He said, The wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now that word continually, if you look back at Hebrew, it looks like it's two different words, but here's what it means. It means he th- it's something they thought about every day. That word continually means every day. Every day. It is as if he is saying that every morning they wake up and try to find a new way that they can break God's commandment. Try to find a new way that they can do sex, but outside of the way God was, that they can find a new way to drink. They can find a new way just to break God's law. It it, it is like, you know, and when you hear this, it's like Jesus is talking about our day. Because think about it. Look around you. Our culture is laying awake at night trying to find new ways to break God's law of sex. 
one man, one woman is one for life. I mean, they're, they're trying to find new ways every day. I mean, you know, I don't have time, but just give you the example real quick of the Internet. I mean, my goodness, how much, how much more depraved can we get than the stuff you accidentally find on the Internet? I mean, this is, the, this is the community, the culture that you and I live in today. It's, it's no longer according to that. And this is what Jesus was saying. They're looking for ways and ways and ways and many ways to pray. But I know, I know the question comes, and here's another lie. Here's another counterfeit that's out there. Is, well, the only, the only thing that really is sex is intercourse. That's the only thing that's really sex. Back in the 90s, we had a president. We had a president that had committed some acts with a woman, and he said, but that wasn't sex. So I wasn't really lying when I said I didn't have sex with her because that wasn't sex. And when I heard that, you know what I thought? I said, we're going to pay for that in this country. When we have a leader, the leader of our country, stand up and make a proclamation like that, I said, we're going to pay for that. And just a few months later, there was a, uh, there was a survey done. It was actually done in, in Wisconsin. It was done with young teens about, their, about sexual activity. And... and, and People were amazed at the sexual activity. And you know what some of them said? Some of them said, well, the president, and there there was a specific sex act they were asking about that was not intercourse. And then when they asked it, and some of these 14-year-old girls said, well, even the president says it's not sex. I knew we were going to pay for that. I knew because when leaders stand up and start saying those kinds of things and say, say, it's not sex, and I knew our kids would believe it. Well, we got to pay attention. While you're just nodding your head saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, our kids are listening. When they're hearing the things that are being said out there, and, and, and the culture and the ideologies of our culture is changing because, because they're out there giving the counterfeits, thinking up new ways to break God's law, and nobody is standing up and saying, wait a minute, this is what the Word of God says. Can I tell you something? The President of the United States does not have the authority to decide what is sex and what isn't. As our president that is sitting now said one time, that's above his pay grade. It is above his pay grade to say what is sex because the only one who can say what it is is the one that created it. God created sex as a beautiful gift and he gave it to all mankind and only he can say what sex is and what sex isn't. Well, what is it? What is it? Well, let me tell you right here. And these Again, the words of Jesus. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But here's what Jesus says. Are all those things really sex? I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So is... Anybody need to dismiss anyone? So is petting sex? Is petting sex? Is is going to that... Come on, you know... I'm trying, I'm trying to be tactful and at the same time not be lewd and all these other things and not be, but second base, third base, all those, what is sex? Jesus, you know what, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says you don't even have to touch somebody to commit sin because we don't actually commit sin with our hand. We just act it out with our bodies. We act it out, but the sin happens in our heart that when we think about it, when we let, now listen, you're going to get some thoughts that run through your mind. You're going to get some thoughts, and what, but what you've got to do is you've got to take that thought captive. You've got to bind it up and cast it away from you and say, I'm not thinking about that. But when you allow that thought to come into your mind and you harbor that and you allow it to, you allow it and you think about it and you enjoy it, when lust begins to happen in your mind with somebody, it doesn't, you don't have to touch them. They don't even have to know you exist. It, it, when, when it happens in your heart, Jesus says, 
It is a sin. And so all these things that, and this is a lie that's out there, oh, well, that's not, you can do this and it still not be sex. You can do that and it still not be sex. You can do this and you're still a virgin. And you can do this and God's not mad at you. Well, here's the, this is not my words. This is not some uh, writer's words. These are the words of Jesus Christ. If you just think about it and you lust it, it is a sin. Young people, I tell you, that they'll tell you you can do just anything you want to and until you do it. And of course, you do. I don't know. Listen, this is what Jesus says. I could tell you. And here's the problem. is these little things that they say, you know, I, I mean, here's the big problem is it's sin. But here's the other problem. Is, you know, you know, they call marijuana a gateway drug. You know, I, I challenge you. Find somebody that's been smoking marijuana for 20 years that has never done any other drug. You won't do it. Because you know what happens? Eventually, they got to slide to something else. You get a little bit more. And the same thing happens with sex. Any kind of gratification. Any kind of thing that brings us, you know, because what happens is you got to have a little bit more. You'll not find somebody. You'll, you'll never find somebody who just opens that door, that Pandora's box or that door of sexual behavior and says, well, this is going to be enough for me. And if they don't get married for 20 years, that they're still at that place. No, they're going to go on and go on and go on because sin begets sin, begets sin, begets sin, begets sin. You may show it to you, Romans chapter 1. Here it is. Because although they knew, God, they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God. They were not thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So even though they knew God, but... They didn't want to honor God. You, are, you know God. I mean, you're here because you know God. Even if you don't know Him personally, you know there is a God. But if you're not honoring Him with everything, this is where you're at. You're in a place where your hearts are darkened. You're not letting the light of the truth out of His Word shine. It. You're doing your own thing and you're not doing His thing. And so God, in that, now God loves you and God wants you to have a great life. But you know what God's going to do? He's going to let you do what you want to do. You know, now that doesn't sound like a very good God. Well, here's where he is. He knows that if you do what you want to do, and he blesses you anyway, he'll never reach you. But if he'll turn you loose and let you do your own thing for a while until you make a big mess of it, then he knows that eventually maybe you'll wake up and you'll come back to him, and he can help you pick up the pieces in the end. And I know some of you are thinking, oh, well, then I can do anything I want to till I, you know, till I'm an old person, you know, about 24, 25. Then I can come back to God and he can fix it. I just offended the 24 and 25-year-olds and everybody older. And I just come back to God and he can fix it. But here's the problem. He'll forgive you of it. He'll forgive you of it. He'll wipe it away and it'll be cast as far as the east is from the west, you know, we talk about. And he'll forgive you of it. But you can't plant all those seeds of weeds in your life and then come to God and say, no, God, don't let any of them grow. He ain't going to do it. He's going to have you down on your hands and knees, spiritually speaking, for the next 10 or 20 years pulling out those weeds because you're the one that sowed them. He'll forgive you. You're going to be on your way to heaven, but you can't make a mess of your life for 5, 10, 20 years and then show up and, and expect God to just mow everything down and not ever come back up. He'll forgive you of it, but you're going to have to deal with it. So don't you dare, young person, don't you dare say it's okay for me to do what I want to because God will forgive me in the end. He'll forgive you, but you look around. I mean, let me tell you, I could have some people stand up and testify right now. And they'd say, don't do what I did. Because that's the way I live my life. I did what I wanted to, knowing God would forgive me. But he's forgiven me. But now I'm paying the price. I'm paying the price with disease. I'm paying the price with, with my relationships are always this or this or this. I'm paying the price here and there in a lot of different ways. Oh, we've got to go on. Um, therefore, God also gave them up to unclean. Here's what God did. He said, okay, I'm going to let you do your own thing, whatever you want to, for a while. In the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. We're talking about sexual things here. 
For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Are you getting this? You know where we're headed with this? In case you're not getting in case he's not point blank enough, here God is point blank. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased or reprobate mind to do those things which are not fitting. Did you get it? How long has it been since you heard that scripture? Have you ever heard that scripture? Have you ever heard that scripture? I mean, you know, and and see, here again is another lie, another counterfeit, another fake that is out there. Uh, And, you know, it's interesting to me how how we, we call something a different name and it sounds so much better. I mean, abortion sounds a whole lot better than child murder, right? An alternative lifestyle sounds so much better than sodomy. And we call it that. And listen, I don't hate, I don't hate anybody that's doing wrong in their life, but I hate the devil that is drugging into their life, and I hate the stuff that is in their life. And, uh, and I'm not coming down on anybody. I'm not coming down on anybody today, but I'm telling you, this is what the Word says. But you know what? You don't hear that, do you? And here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not upset so much with uh, the politicians out there who call themselves Christians, and we know they're not. What bothers me is when a, when a church stands up and says, well, we're going to change the way we do things because God is a God of love and blah, 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 blah. That's not what God's Word says. And here's what you won't find. That's what bothers me is because we're doing, when we do it in the name of God, we're putting ourselves in a place of judgment. And we're, we're leading this world down a road that God is not on. And we've got to go back to the Word. And that's the thing is you're not going to hear any of those people talk about the Word. You're not going to hear them read Romans chapter 1, verse 28, when they're talking about allowing homosexuals to be priests in their church. You're not going to hear them quote Romans 1, 28. You're going to hear them quote God is love. Well, God is love. But God's such a big God, he, He's more than just love. He's a daddy. He's a daddy. You know what my daddy did? My daddy didn't protect me from everything. My daddy let me fall down and scrape my knee every once in a while so I would learn, don't do that again, son. You know, and that's the way God is. God is a God of love, but he loves me. Enough. And here's the thing. He says, well, you know, if it feels good, God just wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. Show me that in Scripture. Where does God want you to be happy? He doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to have joy. But, you know, joy is not happiness. Alabama won yesterday. Hey, I was happy. That didn't make me joyful. Because you know what? Something bad could have happened right after that. We won the national championship this past year. My goodness, who couldn't be joyful? That's not joy, that's happiness. It's, it's over a little stuff. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be joyful. And he wants you to be joyful so much that he is okay with you experiencing a little bit of sadness and a little bit of pain on this earth so that you can get real joy in your life. And so these that's another lie, another counterfeit out there that God wants you to be happy. And so if it feels good, do it. If it makes me happy, I ought to be able to do it. God wants me to be. God doesn't want you to be happy. God wants you to have the dream. He wants you to have the miracle. He wants you to have the blessing. He wants you to have the promise. You can't have that just doing things your way. And if you've messed up, you haven't got it under the blood yet, he's standing there saying, come on, bring me the pieces. We'll start putting it back together. But you know, it's like that, uh, you know that story of the prodigal son that ran off from home, you know, when he went and he was feeding the pigs? And said, finally, he, he, he got to the place where he just wanted to eat what the pigs had to eat because he got so hungry because he realized how bad he had messed up. 
And I thought about, you know, he's gotten out there riding the pigs, you know, and the pigs, I don't know, in those days if they rutted so much in the mud like, you know, most of them do, you know, here uh, in our country, in our day, you know, you, that's what you see. You think of a pig pen or rutting in the mud. And I think about, you know, going out there and, and working with the pigs. And, you know, and at some point this man, he should have just stopped and said, wait a minute. I had, I had a better life back at home with my father, spiritual father with God, than I have right here. You know, at some point before you get in the mud. And I thought one day, you know, I thought about, you know, how many steps he got out into the mud with the pigs and the slop. Before he finally woke up. And you know, I don't, I don't know if it's two, two steps, five steps, ten steps, how, how many. But you know, if he took ten steps in, he had to take ten steps out. You know, so whenever you wake up, however long you decide to go your own way, that's probably about how long it's going to take you to pull it back. God will help you. But you're going to have as much work getting out of fixing it. He, he's going to forgive you of it, but you're going to have about as much work straightening it out as you had making the mess in the first place. Now, I know you may think some of these scriptures, I thought some of these scriptures were about marriage, not sex. Is it sex or marriage? What are we talking about here today? Sex or marriage? Sex? We're talking about both because with God they're inseparable. We don't talk about sex and then we talk about marriage. They're inseparable. They're the same thing. Here's a problem because the counterfeiters out there, you know, what they want to do is they want to tell you, you know, it's a separate thing because you can do sex and still be married. Do sex with somebody else, still be married. Sex is sex. No, they're inseparable with God. Almost to the point that I would, I would almost stand here and tell you that I could, I could almost make this argument, but I can't, it's not said in Scripture exactly, so I can't say this. But I could almost make this argument if we were just talking about it. That it is so close that in the Old Testament specifically, that it's almost like if you have sex with somebody, you're married to that person in God's eyes. It's almost like that because if, if you look, there's, a, there's one, uh, there's one uh, law in there that if, a, if an unmarried man and an unmarried woman have sex, then they have, you got to start living together and raising a family. You're married. I mean, so it's almost like they are the exact same thing, but God doesn't say that, so I'm not going to give you my theory. And that's not, that's not my intention here, but I want you to see that it is that close. They are, that, they are inseparable. Let, let me show you right here. First Corinthians, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. Well, see, he's talking about a one-night stand, a harlot, a prostitute. He's talking about a one-night stand. And what does he relate it to? He, he relates it back to that sex act that also happens with marriage. The two become one flesh. He says a one-night stand. So what is he saying? He say, he's basically saying these are inseparable. It's the same thing. So you can't, you can't separate sex and put it over here and marriage is over here and you do your own thing and you, you live the way you want to live until you become married, married and then you're going to start all over. Or you get married and then you come over here and you live and do all the stuff you want to do. No, they're inseparable to God. Can I show you another place? It's, 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 um, it's where he talks about the only just cause for divorce. He says, I say to you, Matthew, I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. Here's what he's saying. If your wife maxes out all the credit cards tomorrow, you can't divorce her. I was really expecting, it didn't happen in early service, I was expecting them to get some women say, Amen! You can't divorce her? Well, you can, but you can't divorce her and remarry in the eyes of God and everything will be Okay. And if your husband saw a big, nice bass boat yesterday and he goes out tomorrow and buys one just like it and, you know, and puts a second lien on the house so that he can get it, you can't divorce him either. Not in God's eyes. And marry someone else. Because if you do, you're committing adultery as well. The only reason for divorce and remarriage 
from God, the only reason, is adultery. Why? Because this union of one and one that has become one for life, when one of those goes and joins himself to somebody else, even in a one-night stand, when they do that, they have broken this one. They have broken this one, and so now they have created a new union there. And that is, so here's the thing, is a legal document that says divorce on it does not dissolve the union, not in God's eyes, because the union is not about legalities. The union is about the sex of one man, one woman that becomes one forever. And it's not just about the sex act. It is about, it is about this thing of who we are. It's so much deeper than the acts that you and I are even thinking about. And it's this. And the whole point here is for you to see that this is the, this is the thing that God is talking about when, when He's talking about marriage and sex. He's talking about this thing that there's this union. There's this union, and the only, the only way it can be broken is because of that, because this is the hallowed thing. It is this union that you have between one man and the one. Can I take you one more scripture here? Right here, Ephesians. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. And now, you know, the Bible was written in a very masculine tone, everything, but we know we're talking about men and women here. So it says, so we should be saying, husbands, love your wives, and, and wives, love your husbands. Listen, here's the thing. Here's another, here, here's another counterfeit, here's another fake, here's another lie that they'll tell you out there that the word, world is telling you. They will tell you that you're supposed to marry who you love. Now, you know what I just, what I just told you guys? You, you need to hear this, okay? I just told you that you've got to love whoever you're married to. Right here, this verse. You've got to love whoever you're married to. And, and you can't divorce them, no matter how bad. It, it, the little things that you're overlooking because you're dating right now. And, you, and, the, and 20 years from now, they're getting on your nerves and you can't stand it anymore. You can't divorce them. So listen, don't marry somebody you love today. Marry somebody you can love for 50 years. Now, this, is, this is a serious thing because you've got to love them for 50 years. You know, so, well, no, I, I can get divorced and, get, and ask God to forgive me. Yeah, you can. But not if you want the dream. Not if you want the beauty. Not if you want the amazing thing that God has for you. Not if you want all the promises. You, here, and so here's the thing. Husbands, love your wives. God doesn't tell us to, love who we're, uh, to marry who we love. He says, love who you're married to. And, and, but the world out there, they're, they're saying you need to marry who you love. But the problem with that is, it's one of these days, their little ticks, their little habits, their little stuff's going to get on your nerves. They're going to say something they shouldn't say. Eventually, eventually, there is come. My wife's not here. I didn't ask her in the early service. I was wanting to ask her, and I forgot. She's not here right now. I, I can answer for her. I'm going to ask her a question. I can, and if you doubt the answer, you can ask her, and she'll tell you the truth. I was going to ask her. And I forgot in the early service. I was going to ask her right now. I was going to say, Deva, are there days that you don't like me? And you know what the answer is going to be? I guarantee you it's going to be yes. Ask her after service, okay? I think I can answer that one for her. There are going to be days when you're married that you don't like the person that you married. But you know what? You don't get to choose that because here it is. Here's the thing you've got to do. You are under command by God to love the person you're married to. And one of these days it's going to get to this place, I can't stand him or her anymore, and I just want a divorce, and I want all this and all this and all this. And God, and, and so then you know what's going to happen? Is somebody's going to pay you too much attention. The devil's going to start whispering and lying to you. And then eventually some things are going to happen that shouldn't, get, that shouldn't be happening. And I'm not talking about with your hands, i talking about with your heart. Some things are going to happen. And then you're going to start saying, okay, my buddies, my friends, my sister, my, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins, my coworkers, they, they all tell me, hey, look, you don't love him anymore. Get a divorce. You can love somebody else. That's the world's way. God's way is this. One man, 
one woman, are one forever. And so what we have to do is love the one we're married to. That's God's way. So we're, we're brought back around to God's plan. All of this all fits together. It's not 500 different rules. It's one rule. He just had to give us a whole lot of other stuff because there's going to be a lot of counterfeits out there. And so we just had to see all this other stuff so that it's one rule. Very simple. One man, one woman, come one for life. I want to do a, I want to do a two-part closing this morning if I can. I actually want to do two prayers is what I want. I want, I want to ask you, that, and I want, please don't leave because I want to pray for everybody in this house. And I don't mean... I won't have time necessarily to get personally with each one of you and pray. But I want us to have a prayer for everybody in this house. But first, I want to pray for everybody who is presently married. If you're presently married, I want to ask you, would you do me a favor? Would you stand and come stand here in the prayer area with me? Everyone, please stand. Married, unmarried, everyone, please stand. But those who are presently married, come stand. And I, I hope you come with your spouse and stand close to them if they're here. If your spouse is not here, if they had to work today or if they're working children's church, the nursery or something, they had to work, that's okay. Come stand alone just just to them. Here's what I I want you to do. I I don't want anybody to be alone, and I knew we've got several that their spouse works or or they're working at children's church or somebody might be sick today, and I I don't want anybody to pray alone. I'm going to ask you to do something, and and I I hope you're okay with this. Would you turn around and get the hands up? Maybe at least five or six people in a little circle. Would you turn around and just, just gather at least four? But maybe even five or six or seven or eight. And we've got quite a few here that, that their spouse is not. So just because I want us to all pray with one another, okay? Pray for one another. Good, good. I want us to pray. Now listen, you, you single folks out there, some of you are single and some of you are single again. I want you to pray for these families. Um, strength of a church really depends a lot on the strength of its families. A lot. And we, we, we need God to protect these families, these marriages, these homes. God wants to do something awesome, beautiful in them. And some of them, come on, let's be honest, guys. Some of you haven't been awesome and beautiful in a while. But God can return the dream. Don't settle for anything less than the dream. Don't settle for anything less.